so excited for today. I can't even tell you. It's like bursting out of me. I'm so excited to talk about this season of preparation to Easter. God has been stirring up some amazing things um, in our leadership team around this season. And we decided this year to be incredibly intentional, like literally have a class that we've talked about for years to bring in this season. So what we're going to do today is unpack some of the history behind this season, the background, the root system, because we all have different experiences with Lent. Put it in air quotes. We're going to put in air quotes all day. doesn't matter what you call it, right? This preparation season to Easter. Maybe you grew up practicing Lent. Maybe you have no idea what Lent is, and you're just sitting there going like, ooh, I don't know what anybody's talking about today. You may be on any spectrum. You may be like me. I didn't grow up in a faith tradition that practiced Lent, but I knew about it. I had friends who were Catholic that gave up something for Lent. So there was a joke about Fish Fridays. I still don't quite get it, but it's apparently a thing. And then it builds up to this moment of Easter. So I didn't really know much about it until I took a class in my master's program that covered, probably one of my favorite classes, covered these different traditions and, and practices of all the different belief systems under the umbrella of Jesus as Lord, right? Because there's these things called denominations that believe and practice unique things, but we all kind of sit under Jesus as Lord, right? He's king, and then we walk out our faith a little different. Sometimes we interpret scripture a little different, whatever it is that influences our day-to-day, but we all have something in common. He's king, right? He's God. He's Savior, And there's something unifying about that. But there's also some some comprehension of the uniqueness of practice in that. Gleaning from each other, not being in competition. Hello, friends. Stop fighting each other. We got to get together and be on mission for Jesus, right? That's the plan that God has for us. So shameless plug, Julie talked about it. But if anything today just sparks a hunger in you, Sign up for the class starting on Wednesday. Set aside the time. Like, I know you might have to rearrange your week a little bit, but it'll be worth it, I promise. So, like I mentioned, I didn't grow up practicing Lent. Took this class, was really uh, sparked with, man, there's something really special about this pre-Easter season and what they use it for. But I also walked away from this class realizing how guided by calendars we are, right? I know for me, if it's not in my calendar, it does not happen, right? Or if I put something, I saw someone get elbowed over here. Same, same girl, hello. I live by my calendar. If you don't see me put it in my calendar, be like, Haley, put it in your calendar and make sure I put it on the right day because that's another big thing, right? Because I wake up, I'm like, all right, what's today behold? But it's, it's true and there's so many different calendars in our lives. But here's the thing, calendar moments sometimes have seasons around it. And we can choose to be influenced by those seasons to different extents. So what I mean by this is we have a weather calendar with seasons on it that influence clothes we wear, activities we do, or sorry if you online family, if you don't live in Southern California, we're not really affected that much by it, right? It's February, and my family's coming out to visit tomorrow. Where are we going? The beach, right? Because it's not that, that cold. 
Yes, we will be bundled. I will be wearing a beanie because I'm a wimp. But we're not that affected by this specific calendar because of where we live. Other places in the country are, right? They're under a bit of snow right now. Hence why my family's coming down. They live up in Idlewild, so they're like, where's the sunshine, right? They're dealing with week old, two-week, three-week-old snow, cold. There's more calendars, academic. Any students in the room? Or do you have kids who are students in the room, right? I am so thankful that my time as a student is over <laughs> because that was a crazy season, right? I had classes. I was in rhythm. I was working full-time. I was doing school full-time. It was super hectic, right? And so this calendar impact, an academic calendar, influences your entire season, right? You get home at the end of the day, and what are you doing? Kids, get your homework done, right? You're not doing that in summer because it's a different season, right? The calendar is different. Our faith has calendars also, right? There's Christmas time where we celebrate baby Jesus, right? You go to most churches around that time, and what are they talking about? Christ who was born, right? He came to earth. Come around April time, and what are we talking about? Jesus who died and rose. So our faith can have rhythms and calendars, but we can choose to be affected by these calendar moments or not, right? We can let them be a single day or we can let them become a whole season. Let's talk about, as an example, Christmas. I love the Christmas season. I love the, that it's winter. I love having a tree in my home. As much as I love Christmas, I think y'all are crazy for decorating before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't get it. As much as I love Christmas, I am a true and true day after Thanksgiving, go get my tree and decorate my home. The music changes, the food changes, all of it, right? Full Christmas in my home. However, I love Christmas so much that I extend it a little past Christmas Day to about the first week of February. <laughs> I really push it. Because I love it. I love having a tree in my home. I love the, the celebration of Jesus who came to earth. I read special books of the Bible during this time of year. Like every year I go back to these same traditions and I really press it. Yes, my tree is an absolute fire hazard by the time I'm getting rid of it. Yes, I leave a massive trail of dead pine. What? Thank you. It's like thistles? No. Needles. I leave messy, but it's so worth it. It's so sad and droopy by the end, but I still turn on the lights and look at it all the way, right? So I just finished my Christmas season about a week ago when I took out my tree. It's rough. I always have a little bit of shame, though, when I have to put it in the, like, trash can and put it up on the street of, like, they know. Everyone that drives by knows that I just took down my Christmas tree, but I don't care. It makes me happy. So I choose to be so heavily affected by this season. And we have a choice too in our faith to be so affected by these moments, these calendar moments or not, right? So Easter can be a day, it can be a weekend with Good Friday, or it can be a season of preparation. And that is the root system of Lent. 
It's a season. Literally, by definition, the word Lent means lengthening of days. It's moving from winter to spring, guys. Lent is a word that means season, spring season. I don't speak German. I'm going to butcher this. Der Lenz is German for springtime. I know one phrase in German, sprechen Sie Deutsch, and that's it. And I don't speak it. It means you speak German, and I do not. Right? But Der Lenz is Lent It's the springtime season. So this word that maybe you're like, oh, my gosh, we're talking about Lent in a Christian church. What are we doing? It literally just means a season, right? But the purpose behind it is what we're going to press into today. So by, by purpose, by heart, by why, Lent exists as a season for the spiritual renewal of us to look more like Christ. That's its why. It's a set-aside time where we're in pursuit of looking like Christ with an intentional season. Now, Lent itself has taken a lot of different forms over the years. We're going to dig into a little bit, bit of the history. Anybody love history? Some? Yes. I hated history all the way through school because I'm not that great with names and dates. Correction, I'm great with names, I'm not great with dates. Numbers, not, not my thing. I'm like, was it two weeks ago? Was it 44 years ago? I don't know, right? My, my scope of time and reference, but I love the stories. I love what we can learn from history. So we're gonna explore the background. When did Lent actually begin? Does that sound fun? It's gonna be fun regardless. Oh, I missed something. Hold on. This is what happens when I don't look at my notes. Before we talk about the history, I want to talk with, about what Lent is not. So we all get on kind of the same page. Uh, these are two things that have really been in competition. This is why there's so much tension around the season of Lent. The first is it's not about earning salvation, right? We can't say can't. Thank you. Can't earn salvation. It's not possible, right? Jesus sacrificed his life so that it can be a free gift to us, right? Big price, but free to us, right? It wasn't just free in general. Huge price was paid for this to be accessible to all of us. Thank you, Jesus. That's great. Now, the bridge connection, though, of earning salvation dates all the way back to early Jewish traditions where they would make an annual atonement for their sins, an atonement, it's like a making up of, right? So they would bring a spotless lamb into the temple, the church, way back when. And they would sacrifice this animal to, to make up for sins, to receive forgiveness for a year. So do you see the bridge sometimes? This practice once a year while we're talking about salvation and all these things, I can see the bridge and, and where some confusion can come in of, are you doing these practices so you can earn favor and love with God? No. On the other side of Jesus, where we exist, hi, we exist on the other side of Jesus. It's not that. We're not earning anything, right? This is coming out of the overflow of being positioned in him, right? And walking out this walk to be like Jesus. That's what we're doing. That's the whole heart and purpose of our lives, isn't it? To look a little more like him every day. So it's not earning salvation. The second thing that it's not 
is it's not a preset list of things you have to do. The Lent itself this season isn't necessarily in scripture, right? As here's what you shall do, right? In remembrance of my death. There's no instruction like that from God about this. But there's principles taken from scripture that have formed this season and the traditions that surround it. Is that making sense? Right? So the concept of remembering him comes from scripture. And we're going to look at that. Okay. Now I'm ready to talk about history. You guys ready? I had to set some framework. What we're not talking about. We're not earning salvation. Okay. So the very first mention of a, of a season of Lent, a pre-Easter season, was second century church. That's a really long time ago. This would have been about 70-ish years after Jesus. So two, three generations maybe, and they already have this season set aside with intention. And we know about this because two early church leaders were having a discussion through letters. Some, some would argue it was a debate through letters about how long the pre-Easter fast should be. So they're trying to figure it out. So that's the earliest mention of the season being set aside. That's, that's early on. This isn't something new, right? Jump to 325 with this event called the Council of Nicaea. Super cool council. It was the first of its kind where leaders came together to talk about theology, the study of God. They came together to talk about beliefs and practices because their entire world had been changed when Jesus showed up. For a really, really long time, Jews had these practices and traditions with God. Jesus shows up, shifts everything, right? His earthly ministry, death, resurrection, and pretty quickly heads up to go be with the Father, sends Holy Spirit, and leaves his church to work it out. Not in an abandoning way. He gave us Holy Spirit. So we get to, like, work with Jesus to figure this out and to apply this new reality to our everyday lives. So church leaders, I love this. They're like, we got to collaborate on this. We got to get some common language, some common beliefs, some common practices, and that's why they gathered together, right? Let's figure this thing out. So at this council, that's what they're doing. They're coming together, and one of the topics at the Council of Nicaea was the pre-Easter fast. So they're revisiting it of like, so this thing, like what are we supposed to do with it, right? What, what is this supposed to do? So they started to put some structure around it. They, the biggest thing that came out of this, what they said, it's marked by fasting. So fasting will be a big part of it. The other cool thing that came from this season is they, they made a special intention around new converts to walk through this season. So as, as we know, entry into a life in Christ, a lot changes, or it's supposed to. This is going to change our entire lives. And there's this big transformational season that happens. And so they said, we're going we're gonna to create space for our new converts to walk through this season of fasting, of repentance, of turning from your sin, of learning in preparation for their water baptism on Easter, like, what a cool tradition of, like, hey, if you've been new to, to faith, like, why not set aside this time, right, and really lean in with God? 
and then dive in, literally. <laughs> I just heard it. Dive into the water, guys. It's fine. When you hear the pun in your head and no one gets it, that's where I'm at. I'm hanging out over here by myself. So that happened, 325, Council of Nicaea. We're just going to move on. Around 600, this guy, Pope Gregory, started adding some more structure where a lot more of our tradition today of what we experience comes from. He set it up that it was going to start on Ash Wednesday. He said, everyone's going to do it. He said, the whole church, not just new converts. We're all going to step into this season together. And he said it. He said, it's going to be 40 days. So if you do quick math in your head, Ash Wednesday to Easter is technically 46 days. But they took Sundays out because Sundays had so much rich community and tradition and worship and food. And they didn't want to disrupt this beautiful Sunday goodness, right? So it's 40 days minus Sundays. Making sense? So for the next couple hundred years, um, tradition started loosening. This is just a fun fact. Around the 1400s is the first mention where they fasted a luxury, not just food. So fasting Netflix, we're not the first generation to think about that. How do I get out of this like food fasting situation? I'm gonna fast social media, right? I'm gonna fast my pretty, pretty dress. Like a luxury, they give up a luxury. So we're, this isn't new to us guys. But the biggest moment in, in Lenten history was in 1500 with something called the Protestant Reformation. This was a move across Europe where belief systems started to change and they started to press back against some of the traditions that had been put in place. Three big things marked this season. You guys doing okay? Is this so much information? We're absorbing it. It's great. I believe in the absorption of this information by Holy Spirit. So three things. The first is the Bible's the ultimate authority, not man, right? Bible's in charge. God's in charge. Not, this is what I think it says, right? We got to go back to scripture. The second was that everyone is a priest, not just a single person as a medium to the body of Christ. At this time, literacy rates were rising. So now people can have their own Bible, can have access to it, and read it themselves. So this group was rising up and saying, hey, we need this. We're pressing for this to exist for us, right? We're all priests, guys. We all have direct access to him. We don't need another medium to get through. The third thing, biggest part of this, is it's salvation by grace, not works, right? We visited this. We can't earn salvation. And so they were pressing back. And the belief, which is why there was a great split with Lent, because there was a, an undercurrent of belief that they were earning favor with God, that they were earning salvation. So at this moment, big split happens. Catholic church goes this way with all their denominations and practices, keeping Lent. Protestants went this direction and said, nope. We can't earn salvation, so we're going to get rid of all those practices that we think are earning salvation. And a big divide happened. Where now we have a lot of churches who don't practice this season, rooted back to this moment in the 1500s. Now, over the last 500-ish years, continuous debate has happened. Should we? Shouldn't we? What do we do? What do we not do? Right? All of this is going on, landing us to today where, interestingly, there's a rise happening where people are hungry for deep-seated tradition. 
they're digging back to their roots. Young people are like, what? what's the why? Like we've been through this great freedom spin in church where it's freedom and it's love and it's relationship. Amen. It is. But not at the expense of obedience and sacrifice and disciplines. Can we stop pendulum swinging from one to the other and take the beauty of both and say, man, it is love and relationship and connection with God. Yes. And from that place, I'm going to do these things because I know it's going to produce something in me. It's going to refine me. It's going to draw me closer to God. It's going to accomplish the root goal of Lent, spiritual renewal to look more like Christ. And through these practices, it's building a bridge to him, right? When I discipline myself every day and read the word. Some days I wake up, I'm like, Lord, let's get it. Let's get in the word. Like, I'm so excited. And other days I'm a little more sluggish. I'm a little more distracted. I'm chasing the butterflies of my brain. It takes a little more discipline on some days. But I know that by persistent reading of the word every day, I'm growing. I'm connecting to him. I may not feel it, but it's doing something in me. Making sense? Okay. So, I think the coolest part about this history is way back when early church said this event in history, Jesus dying and coming back to life, isn't just a day. It's got to be a season. It's more than just a weekend. And there's an intention of us as the church to say, I'm going to be totally affected by this, right? This is, this is the moment of keeping your tree up till February, right? We're not just checking the box. I love my mother, but man, she cleaned up that tree so quick. Some days on Christmas, like, all right, it's over. Let's clean up the tree. Come on. I have a little bit of that gene in me of like, all right, it's over. Get it, get it out of here. Not for Christmas, though. There's a special place in my heart for that. So, Really quickly, I want to just hit a couple of the core traditions. Maybe you won't be joining us on Wednesday nights, but so you can capture a few of these and press in on your own to this season. Fasting is a big part of Lent, right? Abstaining from one thing to make room for God to be your supply in that area. Food, luxury, whatever it's going to be. Prayer is a huge mark of this season. Increasing your dialogue with God, building that relationship giving and serving, right? Getting outside of yourself and stepping into like kingdom purposes, big part of it. Thankfulness. Everyone just say, thank you, Jesus. From that place alone, we should be the happiest and most joyful people on earth. The church who has access to eternity. Smile more, guys. It's good for you. Right, right now, smile at me. Hey, your smiles are beautiful. We've got joy in the church and repentance. Celebrate repentance because we have an opportunity to turn from our mess and be renewed in him. So these are huge markers of the Lenten season. But here's the thing. Lent has a timeline. 40 days. Why? It didn't come out of nowhere. There is a God principle in scripture around 40 that is so powerful and significant. 40 is a transitional time that includes discomfort and transformation. 
that results in an invitation into the new. It's a transitional time with discomfort, transformation resulting in an invitation into the new. We're going to look at some, really quickly, we're going to look at, I just looked at the time, some big points in the Bible where 40 exists. Because I don't want you to be like, oh yeah, like 40 is cool. Like it's literally all the way through scripture. It's everywhere. This is just a few examples. The first place it was used, Genesis 7 with the story of Noah. At this point, the, there was so much sin and wickedness in the earth that God is like, we're going to reset this, right? But this guy, Noah, it says he finds favor with God. And so he's like, okay, Noah, I want you to build a really big boat. I want you to fill it with animals. Take your family. Like he's building this massive ark. Hello, discomfort, right? These seasons of 40 are marked with discomfort. That would probably be uncomfortable, how many people probably walked by and like, oh, my God, did you see that guy Noah? What's he doing? What's he building over there? Right? It's uncomfortable. It's work. There's transformation happening in him in this. Builds this ark, gets into it, and it rains for how long? 40 days and 40 nights. A season of 40. The world literally changes, and they walk out of the ark and step into the new. God set aside this season of 40 with an invitation into it. I do want to mention in the notes in your app, these stories, we're hitting them so big picture. But if, you, if you've never read any of these or are unfamiliar, the locations are in the app notes. And you can go back and read these passages. But let's look at another one. In Exodus, Moses, this guy, he's the leader over the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Right? And... There's a new framework happening with Israel, right? God is building this relationship with these people, and he's setting up the standard of how they're going to relate to him, relate to each other, and relate to the world around them. So God invites Moses to go up onto this mountain to receive this law. Do you know how long he was up there? 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long time. But he had this download, right? this working out, this change of how they were going to relate to him. And what happens on the other side of this? A new contract between God and his people. A transitional season of 40 with the resulting invitation into something new. Are you catching it? Let's look at another one. Israel, same nation, was given this beautiful promise of a land to dwell in this land and, and God, right, it's flowing with milk and honey, and it's going to be amazing and beautiful. Well, Israel made some uh-ohs and continued to be disobedient, right? So God's like, all right, discipline. Like, you're not going to enter into this land for how long? 40 years. We took that 40 days to a whole new level just now. Jesus, a season of 40, that literally the nation changed. It says an entire generation died off in those 40 years. The people literally changed. This is like Oregon Trail to the max, right? You arrive with a completely different group of people than you set out with. 40 years that they wandered in the desert. This is paired with another moment of 40. They get to the edge of the promised land, and Moses says, I'm going to send spies in. To check out the land. Do you know how long they went and checked out the land? 40 days. Another season of 40. 
resulting in the invitation into something new. Are you catching it? Let's jump to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4. This is the framework where we get the tradition of Lent. Jesus gets baptized, and it says that the Spirit leads him into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, where he fasts, he's tempted, and he comes out and does what? He starts his earthly ministry. The brand new thing. For 30 years, Jesus had sat pretty hidden, pretty tucked away. And this transitional season of 40 ignited his earthly ministry. It's a transitional season. Discomfort, transformation market. But it results in an invitation into the new. We got one more in scripture. So Jesus dies, comes back to life. And then it says that he walks around the earth having some encounters with people. I'm, I would be uncomfortable in that situation. Like, we, we just saw you crucified. And he's like, yeah, that's me. Like, right, I'd probably hit, hit the floor at that moment and be like, yikes, I'm uncomfortable. You just back from the dead. But he does this for how long? 40 days. Then he does what? He ascends to the Father. And the newness of Holy Spirit is invited at the end of that 40s. It says, he literally says, I have to go away so the Holy Spirit can come. There's a transition and entry into something new where we now live with the indwelling of Holy Spirit. Are you guys seeing this? 40 is such a powerful thing. One more, not in scripture. How long is the gestational length of human babies? 40 weeks? Literally new life. God has a history of using 40 in the lives of his people to mark transition, to mark transformation, to mark an invitation into something new. Lent has roots of that. It's a season of 40. Whether they realized it or not, they were participating in a God principle that seasons of 40 can change everything, moving in with intention. And guys, this is not microwave faith. This is not microwave transformation. This is slow cooker faith. Get that seasoning in there, right? Maybe you've experienced seasons of 40 in your life. You can look back. I have a few. 40 days, 40 weeks, 40 months, 40 years where God has been at work in some of us doing something powerful and special because this is who he is. I love it. I love that his heart for us is transformation, that he sets up rhythms in our lives to activate this within us. Anyone feel stuck? Everyone's like, not me. For sure, that guy right there. Right? There are places in my life that I feel stuck and I'm moving in with expectation of this coming season of 40 that God's gonna move in those areas, that he's gonna stir something up in me because that's his heart for you. Let's read 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, in all of us with unveiled faces, guys, this unveiled faces, there's no barrier between you and God. None. You can get nose to nose with your savior. That's our reality right now. Seeing him with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror. 
are being transformed by him into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the spirit. It's done by him. But what does it take from us? A yes to step into a transitional season of 40, willing to face the uncomfortable pieces, willing to be changed, willing to put some stuff down, to enter into a new thing that God has for us. He's constantly offering newness to his kids. And I'm expectant for it. I'm excited for it. I, I'm trying so hard not to like jump off and be like, do you get it? Do you see his passion and his love for you? He doesn't want to leave you the same. But I want to tell you guys, there is an enemy of transformation. There is an enemy. I'm going to invite the, oh, Lord, thank you, keys. Jesus. Your brain's going too fast. There's an enemy of transformation. There are things in each of us, unique things in each of us that are warring against it. Maybe you've already sat down and you're like, well, I don't have time to show up on a Wednesday. I, I just like how I am and who I am and I want to stay. But can I right now press a little bit to create some space and ask God a couple questions for him to reveal to us, what is the enemy of my transformation? What is standing in the way? Is it shame? Is it fear? Is it avoidance? Is it distractions? Hello, I've been fighting distractions the last two weeks. Man, my brain is already a little squirrely, but whoo. Right? I know that that's one for me. Lord, renew my mind so I can stay focused on you. I don't want to chase the things that you're not telling me to focus on. That's a huge one for me stepping into this season that I'm asking the Lord to help me hear the things that are yeses and the things that are noes in this season and stay put on that. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna ask God a couple questions. We're gonna ask him together because it's, we're family, we're gonna do this together. So together out loud, let's ask him, Father God, what is the enemy of my transformation? And hear it, give it a name. If you're bold enough, say it out loud. Maybe it's distractions. Uh, I heard for someone it's uh, that you're not smart enough, that you don't know, you don't have enough knowledge or experience. It's the enemy of your transformation is a belief that you can't. Is it a lie? Let's ask him, Father God, let's ask him together. Father God, how do I cut this out of my life? Hear it, trust what you're hearing, guys. Yeah, right now, Father, I speak a, a courage and a boldness to move in obedience to what we just heard. This isn't just a moment that Haley made us do in church. This is an opportunity 
for change. This is an opportunity to step into a season of 40, to move in obedience, powerful obedience, to see the invitation into the new happen. But what I know of God is he doesn't stop there. So we're gonna ask him one more question. Let's ask him, Father God, what do you wanna put in place of this thing I'm giving up? tells us in Philippians 1 6 this is Paul writing to a people group and he says I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns this this is what God's heart is for you and I want to create a space can we all stand together in this moment There's a chance right now. There's an opportunity right now to really lay this down. If this is hitting your heart and hitting your spirit, I wanna invite you to come forward, to have a moment with God here at the altar, to utilize this space, not necessarily to get prayer, but to have a moment. We have prayer team if you do need help with this. Because I have an, I have an expectation that God wants to do something powerful in our church family in this season of 40. Whether you come on Wednesdays or not, say yes to this season of 40. Engage with it. If you're saying yes to it, lean in, ask him. Press in, come on. If you feel that tug, there's, this is a step of obedience to come forward to move, to say, yes, Lord, I have, I have things that are stuck in my life and I need, I need this. Lord, I know that you wanna move, you wanna do something in my life. You wanna change me. Come on. Yeah, Father, we bless them right now for their boldness, for coming forward, for moving, yes. God, continue to stir in our hearts. This isn't a silly thing. Yes, you can receive this prayer from right where you are, but there is a yes moment in your hearts. There is a bold yes when you come forward. There's something that God activates in you. If you're sitting there and you're like, I have been stuck for so long. I have been stuck. I've been halted. I sit and I watch change happen around me and it's not happening to me. This is a moment for you to move in a bold yes, to have a conversation with your dad right now, with your papa. Father, I thank you. I speak right now a moment of even repentance in our hearts. Those things that you stirred up, Lord, that are the enemies of our transformation. If there was something in that that was like, like a bad habit that the Lord highlighted, can you take a second and just lift your hands and say, Lord, I surrender it. These bad habits in our lives that keep us stuck, 
Right now, Father, we move in repentance with repentant hearts turning away from these things, saying, I no longer want this. Heal me of my brokenness. I receive forgiveness from you in this area and the power and the igniting of Holy Spirit to be activated to change, to walk the other direction, to say no to these unhealthy mental patterns, to say no to these unhealthy habits that are rooted in sin and rooted in brokenness and are not what I was created to live in. Right now I speak a renewing of minds. I feel like there's someone in here who has just had headaches and headache after headache after headache after headache. And the Lord is connecting this to the lies that are stuck. Right now I speak a release. Right now, a breaking of migraines that are connected to lies shatter right now. Thank you, Father, for awakening in us possibility. There's possibility for you. There's more. So much more. I'm talking to you. There's so much more that he has for you. Depth deep encounter and love. He sees you and he knows you and he's after your heart just because he loves you for nothing more. Just because he loves you. Father, I thank you for stirring expectation in us right now. An expectation and a hope for transformation. We're not stuck we say no to that lie right now. And I thank you for stirring joy in this moment of repentance, a freedom, a freedom that comes with it. Thank you, Papa. Yes, God. Yeah, Lord, continue to move. Father, I thank you that Holy Spirit is stirring something beautiful in this house that we can't run away from even if we tried because you're after, you're after our hearts. And I bless your spirit to continue to reach and minister the hearts of people to do something beautiful. We love you and we bless you and we honor you in Jesus name. Amen.